Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here for uh, our in-between episode, uh, when we talk about stuff that happened in between issues of X-Men. Um, this time, we're going to figure out how Katie Pride got from Limbo to issue 196 of the X-Men, and... Uh, those those issues take place in New Mutants 30 and 31. Yes. Um couple of things. Um I don't know why uh but I'm kind of getting um drained on Bill Sinkowitz's art. Um well, he's 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 about to be finished with his run, so I do and I, and I like what well, a couple of things. So, I like what he does. I like what he brings to New Mutants. He kind of brings this uh um uh, what am I? What's the word? Um, abstract view of how a comic book should be done, and I mm-hmm. think the New Mutants not really being superheroes, not really being like a popular like the Avengers, Fantastic Four. I think it's a perfect place for that art style and a perfect place to experiment with stories um, and uh, those characters in an abstract sort of way and not really be tampering too much with the Marvel universe lore. But that being said, uh, him trying to incorporate Beyonder into some of these stories is seems, it just doesn't really work for me. Cause it just feels like, as I read this, I'm like, I don't think he wants to be doing Beyonder stuff. That maybe Does that's anybody. Me. Probably <laughs> not. Um, and I, and, um, this particular story, which has to do again with the gladiators, was just totally uninteresting to me. <laughs> So I skimmed a lot of these two issues. So well, we can go through it pretty quickly. I'm going mean, le- to lean heavily on you for these, Adam. But uh, that's that's no problem at all. Uh, basically, we where we left off with uh, Secret Wars two number one. Um, it should be said Beyonder. that these, this issue for sure takes place before our last Danger Room podcast episode. Yeah, thirty and thirty one both take place before one ninety six of X Men. So now we're out of continuity, right? <laughs> But it, so it deal. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so the Beyonder like last 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 couple episodes ago pulled the demonic dark child out of Ileana, and then she panicked and transported herself and Kitty and Rachel and Sam Guthrie and well, Dazzler all to Limbo, and we we immediately pick up from there. Um, the dark child. Magic is attacking uh, all of the new mutants, and Kitty manages to steal her soul sword, uh, which then gives her the armor, her magical special armor. Right. And the whole time, Kitty is thinking to herself, like, what is this stuff all over Ilyana? Because I don't think she's ever seen Ilyana like this. I don't think anybody has. Yeah. I think that's why Dark Child or Magic is freaking out is because she was trying to keep this part of her uh, self hidden from the New Mutants and the X-Men and the Beyonder without even thinking about it, just whipped it out of her, which is why she panicked and transported them all to Limbo. Now, is Dazzler the one wearing an X costume or is that Magma? Because I thought we left Magma behind. Uh, no, we, yeah, Dazzler is the one wearing an X costume. Okay. Was she wearing that last time too? I don't know. Maybe she picked it up in Secret Wars 2 number one. <laughs> I don't recall. The new mittens were like, hey, Dazzler, why don't you wear this? And right. she was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, um, so, so Kitty does grab the, the soul sword. She develops her own set of armor. She's like, whoa, I'm not a sorceress. How can that be happening? Well, I'm not even to think about it or worry about it. But the way I understand how the sword works, if I, uh, it, it, it cuts through magic. And if 
magic is magic, I ought to be able to break the spell by slicing through her. Which she does, and it restores uh, magic back to her physical self. Uh, however, she's she's pretty, I don't know, wrecked it looks like. And that's when Kitty says, this is another one you owe me, Beyonder. Mm. You took away the man I loved, and now you de- you deliberately hurt my best friend i don't care anymore who or what you are or what it costs i'm going to make you pay she says it just like that too (laughs) so the uh new mutants they they're like well we saw the x-men and the avengers fighting the beyonder uh they decided they got to get a hold of them yeah, they teleport back to L.A. Uh, from Limbo, now that magic's okay. Yep. And um, they try to get a hold of the X-Men, but they can't. Nobody's answering. They also try to call the Avengers, though, too, and I can't remember. We've got, uh, he was fighting the X-Men and some Avengers. We got to know what happened to them. We got to warn people. So they just wanted to check in with the X-Men and the Avengers. Yeah, because, you know, that's... That's sure. I guess that's Sam. He's the leader. Just want to know what's going on. They're 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 worried, and so they can't get a hold of anybody. So they decide that they're uh, well. They left Roberto and Magma back at the Gladiators. They realize they have to finish off that storyline. Yeah. (laughs) So the way that this is written, do you think that, you know, uh, what, this is issue 30, 30? So as issue 29 was being created, Jim's like, oh, by the way, put in this Beyonder thing. (laughs) And Chris and Bill and Coach were like, wait, wait, what? And so then they had to like creatively like interrupt their story in progress to do this thing and then rejoin the story in progress. It seems slightly more coordinated than that but i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> i mean it, it's it is fairly well coordinated but it's just kind of i don't know for from a continuity perspective it's admirable but if you're just reading new mutants you're probably like what the hell's what they left and now they're back all right whatever yeah in the last issue of new mutants magneto shows up and asks them to go with him and right. some of them do, and some of them don't. And then the next thing we know, we're in limbo. Right. So, I mean, you know, there's asterisks saying, in Secret Wars 2, number one. Right. So on hopefully, sale now, right. As, as somebody reading this, you'd be like, oh, I guess I better go pick that up. Unless you're a poor kid, and you're like, the only two comics I can afford per month are X-Men and New Mutants. I can't afford to buy Secret Wars number two. Or Secret Wars 2, number one. You Maybe you skim it at the, at the rack. Ah, Brilliant. So they uh, they make a plan to head back to the gladiators because they got to save Roberto and Amara. And I think Dazzler, Dazzler's big plan is she can infiltrate because she knows all those people. Kitty doesn't want her to do that because she kind of doesn't trust Dazzler, but she also feels like she's the one in charge. Uh, Dazzler does it anyway without Kitty's permission, which and at that point, Kitty just lets her. The other thing I think she made her own choice. Yeah. The other thing that I think is weird here is that uh, uh, Sam was in an X costume. Then he was in like a shirt and pants. And now he's back in shorts, just like the beginning of uh, issue 29. <laughs> Why is yeah. he just in shorts? And they show him even when he gets in the car. Like, uh, I guess maybe they went to Lila's to pick up a car and he it's just changed back into his like- shorts. Bill Sinkavage drew all of this as one story, and then they had to shoehorn in a couple of pages. I'm wondering if that's not the case. If maybe page five is it was page 
I don't know. It or does, maybe Sam just likes hanging around in his shorts and nothing else. It feels like the rest of this comic book is a direct continuation of um, of last issue. Yeah. I, mean, I guess Kitty and uh, Rachel are in here, but maybe they were just shoehorned in as well. I have no idea. In any event, yeah. Uh, she takes off. Kitty's not happy. Rachel's like she made a decision. It was her choice, Sam, and my decision to respect it. And uh, Rachel is now detected that the Beyonder, as Molecule Man, um, is nearby. Mm-hmm. We're not alone on this hilltop. I sense another presence, but it's so indistinct, like a psychic ghost. Try as I might, I can't focus. I've lost contact. <laughs> so Dazzler is inside the mansion, the gladiator mansion, and she bumps into Max Rocker, the horse guy. Yep. Remember him? I do. And Ivich, who, as we pointed out before, has a Frankenstein head now. Yep. Um, was she green in the Beast, Beauty and the Beast? I can't remember. She was like kind of a, uh, like a She-Hulk green, but kind of good looking, if I recall. Yeah, she was definitely not a Frankenstein. But yeah, now she's a Frankenstein monster. Uh, Dazzler says she wants to join because those guys are her friends and she misses the whole life. And Max Horsehead makes her drink a potion that lowers her inhibitions and intensifies her violent nature. And she's just like, okay. (laughs) Uh, Yep. You want in? Drain the flask dry. Splendid, says somebody off panel. How blithely doth a former slave once more don her chains. Whoever that is is very happy. We're led to believe that it is Alexander Finn who is in the last issue. Correct. Um, Although this is a very large silhouette. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Spoilers. This person, uh, hint, calls General Nguyen Nagak Khoi randomly. Not... I don't even know why, but that that's sort of a tip-off. Uh, I don't know who that is. I'll, I'll reveal it when we get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure it's related to the character that this becomes, you know, who it's revealed as. But it, It's that person's father. Oh, okay. All right. So those of you that have been paying really close attention know exactly who we're talking about. <laughs> the rest of you will find out later. Anyways, so, this, this very large silhouette is crushing glasses in her hands and stuff. Yes. And also seems to have power over people. Oh. Um Kitty infiltrates the gladiator as Cat, mm-hmm. a super cool hippie type. I, I like this this cat persona. She's all like, "Hey, pal, I'm the best." Yeah, she's a she's a techie. So Horsehead throws a uh, like a walkie talkie over. He's like, "Fix this module." No problem, dude. And she's got yeah, she's got that kind of bushy '80s hippie hair, and then kind of the maybe denim beret style hat yeah she looks like uh john lennon a little bit kind of yeah and so rachel's up on or not rachel dazzler's up on the stage and she is getting into it she's giving the performance of a lifetime she's singing uh and uh, dancing and uh, i guess she as part of the show uses her powers to knock out the front row of the show which i guess are probably some gladiators yeah i think she knocks out all of the gladiators Mm -hmm. every which apparently is another power she has. The power to knock out gladiators with her singing. Yeah. It only works on gladiators, though. <laughs> uh, everybody loves her. Horsehead loves her. Um, Kitty manages to figure out that um, Magma and Sunspot are being held uh, hostage because they believe that Alexander Flynn has is holding some children hostage. Right. So Kitty decides to, to investigate that, and eventually she determines that it's fake. Right, yep. 
Um, ultimately, though, kind of jumping ahead, she oh, gets yeah. she gets caught. Well, Dazzler has uh, she 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 also does two things where she kind of rejects the gladiators, which redeems her to Kitty. But then she seems to have like a resurgence back into the gladiator fold, which makes Kitty mad. Yeah, she doesn't want she she's conflicted because Ivich almost hurts, um, or Magma almost hurts Ivich, but she likes Ivich, so she I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and the Beyonders here for some reason. Yeah, the um, Sam and Rachel and Magic are waiting for Kitty to call them in to join the fight. And they, um, did they travel through Limbo to get there? I believe so. They? Okay, well, at, at some point, uh, the Beyonder shows up and Magic goes to attack. And Rachel kind of, or, uh, the Beyonder steps forward and Rachel pulls Magic back. And that's when they, they Rachel attempts to mind meld with the Beyonder, trying to convince him that he's he's okay. I, they're, they're okay and they're, they don't mean any harm and figure out what's going on. I do like, so he's supposed to be Molecule Man here, but he doesn't look anything like Molecule Man other than having the stripes on his face. But I really do like this uh, picture, this uh, drawing of the Beyonder as Molecule Man right before he kind of reaches out towards Magic Sword. Because he looks so happy but innocent and just just innocent, really, young. Just like, what's going on, everybody? I'm just basically what what he is right now is just kind of trying to figure stuff out and like observing and being like, hi, how's it going? (laughs) Hey, everybody. I'd like to know what it's like to be you. So Beyonder uh, and Rachel are connected and it kind of goes both ways and she sees a terrible light which uh, reminds her about stories of her mom dark phoenix so we get that kind of dark phoenix connection and then uh cannonball makes them all go away this is what grabs rachel and magic and says let's get out of here that's when kitty uh phases into dazzler's dressing room or whatever reads a journal entry in which dazzler's like i love the stage but i can't do this this isn't what i want to be blah 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 that's what impresses uh, Kitty. Yes. and But Kitty gets grabbed by a really, really fat person who is running the gladiator circuit. You are quite mistaken, Sherry. Dazzler nightmare, uh, Dazzler's nightmare is far from over. On the contrary, hers and yours have only just begun. Kitty knows that voice. And my face as well, I'll wager. <laughs> she laughs. And she says, he reads my thoughts, but my psi shields. So he said, she, Kitty says, he reads my thoughts. So right. I don't know. Why? This person must look like a dude. Well, maybe she's jumping to some conclusions that only big fat people can be dudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sunspot and Magma are in the gladiator circuit waiting for Kitty to spring the trap. Well, so Kitty they also- can all escape. Kitty recognizes, like, uh, your thoughts are, your, your, your that size shield and all that stuff is nothing, uh, my darling, to a true adept. And that's when Kitty says, no, no, impossible. It can't be you. So Kitty now knows exactly who this person is. Yes. And then, yeah, Sunspot and Magma wait, um, waiting for the trap. And then a giant gladiator monster shows up and it is revealed by the fat person that the robot or the, the the giant gladiator monster is actually a robot shell that houses kitty yeah yeah since your foe is in reality your would-be savior locked within a robotic shell under my control regardless of what transpires i shall be ultimate victor so somehow kitty is inside this giant oh, thing okay. 
And that's the end of issue 30. And in issue 31... This one I, this one I skimmed. Um, we kind of learned that the fat person is mind-controlling various people, um, especially Kitty. And Kitty is kind of fighting it. And at some point moving forward, she manages to break out of the giant shell... I'm jumping way forward here. That's okay, because there's a lot of fighting between this big robot and Sunspot, and Dazzler's taking the stage. Um, I think she's being a little bit controlled here. Yeah, she is also under this. It all makes sense when we reveal who right. the person is. Um, Everybody's under kind of a spell, it would seem, until Kitty eventually, uh, I don't know, comes to her senses or is able to get a uh, break in the control and is able to phase through the giant robot's head, thus deactivating it. Yes, and she tells um, Roberto to scoot. <laughs> this is always very important. I've been hanging out with Wolvie. Scoot. <laughs> um, so lacking a host, the robot falls over. It's done. Um, and that's when Kitty reveals that Dazzler is mind being mind-controlled as well. Um, she says Allison's voice, but... Fatso's thoughts and words. She's possessed like I was. Mustn't look at her. She's using her light powers to hypnotize the kids. I'm still too weak. If, I've snare, if I'm snared again, I've had it. Uh, she throws a big spike at the fat person who loses control of certain people. Not Dazzler quite yet. Cannonball shows up with Rachel and... Um, magic and they they see dazzler attacking everybody so they're like oh, i knew he couldn't trust her and she sends magic sends dazzler into limbo the rest of the gladiators come out to defend dazzler's honor because they assume dazzler has been killed and then there's a big fight which ends really quickly kitty forces uh magic to bring um dazzler back because they need her uh dazzler is no longer being mind controlled and then the police shows up and everybody runs away yeah, that's sort of how to fight. It's it's this issue is not put together very well. Well, there's a few things that are revealed throughout this. Uh, the first thing that's revealed to everybody is that um, there are no kids. They were being held hostage under false pretenses. Right. And then the second revelation is that uh, the big fat person is a big fat woman. And that yeah. big fat woman's name, which she's surprised that Sam Guthrie has forgotten so soon, is Karma. Yeah. So that explains like the mind control and all the stuff that's going on, why Dazzler was being weird and why she called her father <laughs> in right. the previous issue. Um, so everybody's so, yeah. like, what? We saw you die. How can this be? So, so Shan is back and she's really, really fat. Yeah. Uh, and it, I guess it's also kind of revealed here that Kitty has known the whole time. Cause I think the professor knew the whole time, but he didn't want to tell the new mutants. Kitty knew. Well, I think, I think the whole time in the context of this is in the past since Kitty knew, which was since issue 30. So like when Kitty says, no, impossible, it can't be you. I think that's oh, what right. they mean You're by right. you knew the whole time. So she knew the whole time that she was possessed. But I think it's talked about that the professor must have known this whole time. Kitty's like, well, he probably had his reasons. And everyone's <laughs> kind of like, damn that professor. He shouldn't have hid this from us. And that's it, right? So then, then all's yeah, well, so, so, ends well. So karma, karma escapes by holding a couple of regular folks hostage, basically having them... Uh, hold knives to their throats and saying, if you don't let me go, I'm going to make them uh, kill themselves. And so, so that's how she escapes in, in their plane. 
going ha 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 all the way. Um, Xavier told then, us she was dead. He lied. He could have just been wrong. The greatest mutant mind on earth. Make a mistake. Okay, he was trying to protect you, says Kitty. Or he was trying to protect you. Right. That K is an R. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Or yeah, he was which changes, to Which totally changes the meaning. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, gotcha. Um... They managed to get a hold of the X-Men um, after Cannonball says, we don't even know if there are any X-Men anymore. The Beyonder may have killed him. And then uh, a little bit later, they say, well, Kitty says, hey, you did. A, I read your diary, Dazzler. Good job on beating everything. And Dazzler's like, okay. <laughs> um, and Rachel says, yeah, oh, Kitty, everyone, I can sense the X-Men's thoughts. The, the Beyonder didn't kill them. They're all right. So I'm guessing that they just got back from the Dyson Sphere. Probably. Violet Cheney beams them back. And uh, they're, they they heard my physical psych call. They're on their way to pick us up. And the New Mutants want to go after Karma and say, well, it's your move, Kitty. Are you going to turn us in? Or are you going to let us go after Karma? And Kitty says, I've got a nasty feeling I'm going to regret this. But I guess someone's got to cover for you with the prof. Yo, Sam. Remember, if things go haywire, don't you hesitate to call for help. And we get a portrait here of the current uh, New Mutants team, including the New Mutants who aren't here, kind of in, um, I don't know, apparition form. Because, isn't this Bill Sienkiewicz's last issue? I believe so, yes. And he says, thanks, at the bottom. Thanks, folks. Um, I think he actually comes back as an inker, and then he might take over for a couple more issues. But, yeah, ultimately, this is is the end of his run for a while, at least. Uh, Next, the quest for Karma begins um, and eventually crosses over with the X-Men again. Does it? It sure does. I don't remember how that works, but okay. Uh, Which takes us to Secret Wars 2, number 2. It it does. Um, which takes place after Uncanny X-Men number 196. We get Beyonder trying to figure out about... He's still trying to figure out uh, understanding eating. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, Rachel said something about eating, but was it a threat? Yeah, he chew, bite, swallow. So he grabs a glass of, or bottle of soda and he tries to chew, bite, swallow. It's um, wacky. It's all wacky. He's, it's hey. comical. Yeah. There's some protests going on. I don't know. There's a whole sub, there's a whole Fantastic Four subplot that's going on here. Yeah, and I don't know how much of it. Like I, I read all the, the Fantastic Four stuff. So what's going on in Fantastic Four is that uh, I think it's the hate monger. Yeah, is making all of New York City very emotional and angry, and there's like riots and things going on, and they're outside the Avengers building, and they're trying to. Uh, all they hate all superheroes and anybody who's different. Um, there's like there's a uh, a German police officer who it roughs up a Jewish old man. So there there's all this kind of hatred coming out. Um, I can't tell in Secret Wars two number two how much of this is. It's hard to tell how much of this takes place in Fantastic Four. Yeah, hmm. I'm not sure what the relationship is, other than the obvious scenes which feature the Fantastic Four. Uh, so the Beyonder goes and asks a bunch of questions from Spider Man. Spider Man tells him to go talk to Doc uh, Reed Richards. Um, There's a very Reed funny Richards scene. Also can't help <laughs> where Spider Man where where the Beyonder's like, oh, I don't feel so good in my lower abdomen. And Spider-Man has to explain that Beyonder has to use the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's Secret Wars Two is weird. I mean, it's like I'm I'm only I'm only three issues in, so I'm not really sure where it's going. But right now, it's sort of comedic. It's just a it's very silly. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of, yeah, it meanders a little bit. I mean, he's got 12 issues of the miniseries to do, plus at least three issues of other comics that have to be woven in. So there's a lot of material, so I don't really know that it follows a classic beginning, middle, end story arc. I guess that's not true. There is kind of a turning point, but anyways, whatever. In the Secret Wars 2, uh, number 2, to me, focused mostly on Fantastic Four, but there's just a whole bunch of random stuff happening. You know, there's a whole thing with Invisible Girl, it turns into like this evil goth girl, She-Hulk's there. The the evil goth girl is, um, oh man, I can't remember her name, but the same name is is a character that is eventually going to be in the X-Men, but I don't know if it's the same character. Oh, it's it's not Sue Storm that the character is, but it might be the essence of this malice. Oh, malice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That did come up. And uh, it was because Hatemonger created malice. And she says, like, I put this collar on. And that was actually something I was going to ask you. Like, is this the origin of malice? And is this the same malice from the pages of the X-Men? I don't know. <laughs> um, so in, in Fantastic Four 280, uh, Hatemonger turns or it's not it's it's not even the hate monger it's um the hate monger. somebody is working for hate monger and that's the person that turns sue storm into malice right uh there's like a big mystery about malice just shows up nobody can figure it, and basically beats the crap out of she hulk nobody knows who she is until at the end she reveals and it's it's there's all these subtle clues of who because of her usage of power is like slightly different but and they stop drawing the invisible lines but if you if you can connect the dots it's kind of neat um and then, then in the next issue, the Fantastic Four fights Malice, and she's very, uh, she's she's basically the uh, the side of Sue that is uh, very hateful, that isn't really representative of who Sue Richards is, and Reed Richards is able to exploit that by making her super angry, um, which is a fairly comedic scene um, where he, he says, let's see, let's see if I can find this. Do you truly believe your pathetic force fields are of any use against the Fantastic Four? Please don't make me laugh in your face, Susan. You'd have been killed outright years ago, but for the rest of us carrying you. And her response is, why you? <laughs> it's, it's silly, but it manages to burst, uh, get Sue out of being malice. And then she wants revenge, which takes us to Secret Wars 2, where the, the story is resolved. Secret Wars 2, number two. Yes. So, Secret Wars 2, number 2, and Fantastic Four 280 must be interwoven? Because you see here on, like, page 2 or 3, you see Sue Storm going like, I am Malice, Mistress of Hate! And then the Beyonder goes and tries on some clothes and stuff. or No, and he meets Spider-Man. So, all the scenes that have Sue Storm and the Fantastic Four... Up until the point when they're on the roof uh, fighting the, the bad guy are straight out of Fantastic Four. Okay. And then is the is the collar a thing? I mean, she's wearing a collar, but is that collar referenced as being malice? Uh, not yet, but maybe that's that's what I, I'm assuming. The malice, the, the the malice that we know from X Men is the same malice. It's got somehow. to be. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. Okay. So, I never. So I mean, we'll, we'll find out. I hope. So. I guess. I don't. Yeah. I hope so. Because I either never read or don't remember how the collar is malice and is malice a person or is it just like a an entity or a state of being 
at this point, all it is is, and it, 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 it's not even revealed where, I wish I could remember the name of the dude that they're fighting that isn't, isn't Hatemonger, but the guy that's working for Hatemonger. But he apparently has the, ma- the Malice costume available, and he's like, and he transforms into Reed Richards, and that's yeah. how he tricks um, Sue into believing him. And I can't remember his name either. Making her very hateful. But it turns out that whoever that guy is wasn't even that guy because he's shot and he turns into like a big puddle of orange goo. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what comes of that. Right. Yeah, so then anyways, uh, the Beyonder, he, uh, he's having a kind of a talk with uh, a homeless woman because he's decided that he would like to have some clothes and he sees a clo- some clothes on a mannequin. So he takes the clothes, but the homeless lady's like, you've got to pay for that. Don't you know yep. anything about money? And so they have a little conversation. He's got a com- comic comical bit where his clothes don't fit and he's able to change them, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets mugged and uh, she gets mugged. He's like, I don't understand what these sensations I'm feeling are. And the uh, the homeless lady saves him, uh, scares away the... Not even really scares away, but says, like, he doesn't have any money. I don't have any money. And uh, then she gives the Beyonder a Heroes for Hire card. And that's when he goes and visits her. And he pulls uh, Iron Fist and Power Man out of a comic book that I believe is... Uh, is it in the future or the past? Um, I think it's in the past. Yeah, whatever these events are, they did not happen. Uh, they are not happening concurrently. They are happening in a different time period. And right. so they kind of pop out of whatever they were doing into this whole thing back at their office with the Beyonder. And they've got some back and forth and all of it's really irrelevant. But this is where the Beyonder turns their building into solid gold because of the money. Got to have the money everyone's talking about. And money's based on the gold standard, even though Iron Fist points out that we abandoned the gold standard years ago. And after he turns the building into gold, he disappears. Yes. <laughs> well, he turns the building into gold and the and the and the gold building collapses in on itself and then uh beyond it disappears and then uh Iron Fist and Power Man also disappear as they go back to where they came from. And yep. Spider-Man is left alone going, gulp. And the thing that I like, there's there's at least two issues that deal with the cleanup of this building. And uh, the one that I recall mostly is maybe is Web of Spider-Man, um, where he's dealing with the situation and he understands the ramifications of all his gold is being dumped in the middle of New York. But he's got all these bills to pay for. And if he could just get some of that money, the the things he could do with it. And so he's got to have this internal struggle. And ultimately, they're able to deal with this gold. But then doesn't he get like a gold stapler accidentally? Yeah, he gets a gold notebook. Um, and he actually he doesn't get it accidentally. He, he wants it. He decides not to get it. And then he sees... Kingpin, uh, I guess Kingpin notified the government about this so that the government could deal with this because they assume that having a giant gold building with everything that's gold inside of it is going to destroy the U.S. economy. Right. So Kingpin's reward for notifying the government so they can handle this before anybody else notices is every gold typewriter in the building. Right. And Spider-Man sees this and he's like, oh, come on, that's not fair. Right. And so he goes back into the building and he grabs the gold notebook and he and he goes up to the FBI agent and he's like, you you're working for Kingpin. That sucks. And I'm taking this. I'm out of here. (laughs) Yes. And then maybe there's a follow up story about him selling the gold notebook. Who knows? But that's not chronicalized. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, that's that's not a part of uh, this. The the next part of it involves um, 
the 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 way that the government gets rid of the gold is by dumping it into the ocean and kingpin is planning to steal all of the uh gold after they dump it because he figured out where they were dumping it is and spider-man manages to stop it with the help of um the fbi agent who turns out isn't such a bad guy good stuff what else we got? So it is. It, it turns out it is the hate monger. Okay. Um, and the guy that he is working for somebody else who is not the hate monger, but I don't know his name. So that's the name that we can't remember. Okay. Some somebody else. So that. But so yeah, the hate monger turns into purple ooze or something like that. Uh. So very quickly, I read Alpha Flight number twenty five. Um. Remember how Guardian died? No. Well, he did, and okay. he's back. Oh, thank goodness! <laughs> um, I, I missed him. He was he was incinerated to dust in front of his wife. But it turns out, in the last seconds, he actually opened a rift in the fabric of the universe uh, using a sequence of his suit that ruptured the space time continuum. Oh, okay. Pretty awesome, huh? That's totally awesome. Very convenient too. So that transported him jup- to Jupiter's moon, uh, Ganymede. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, where he meets an alien race called the Quirlin, uh, Q-U-W-R-L-L-N, and they repair all of the damage done to him from the explosion. Uh, and eventually he decides he wants to go home, but then he learns that he's actually 10,000 years in the past in Egyptian times. So the Quirlin agree to put him in suspended animation while they try to figure out how to send him home. Um, during 10,000 years passes, and when he wakes up, the Quirlin are all dead because they wiped themselves out in a major conflict. Uh, but luckily they left him a spaceship to get home with and he reconnects with Alpha Flight and Heather, uh, his wife Hudson, except now that he's half human and half guardian because when the aliens put him back together, they'd never actually seen a human before. So they sort of combine him with his suit. Cool. It's, it's very wacky. It's very silly. And it was fun. It's the stuff that comic books are made out of. Nice. Paper? Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Sasquatch, who last issue got put into a robot body, finds out that Aurora isn't really into him because they can't make sweet love anymore. Why not? Because he's a robot. Oh, good point. So she's all like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so he's got to start thinking about how to get his body back again, which eventually is going to cross over with Secret Wars. Oh, okay. In Captain Britain number eight... Um, this is kind of interesting. We get uh, so so last issue, the government was showing up at Braddock Manor because they want to get uh, Captain Wait. Britain to join their cause of saving England from the collapse of the government because of the Jasper's reality warp thing that happened. Remember way back? Yes. Yep. So meanwhile, Megan is outside checking out the van that they parked outside of their house and at the same time, she's having a flashback of her childhood. Uh, there's a bunch of mutant children in the van who are the agents of the government resources control executive who are the people that are talking to Captain Britain. And it is revealed that the power that she has uh, made her look the way she does as a v- defense mechanism from when she was a kid. And somehow the mutant children in the van make her remember all this and also make her realize that the the way that she looks right now is just a, uh, like a butterfly, it's just a shell, and she emerges as Megan that we know from Excalibur. Ah. So. What did, uh, what did she look like prior? I forgot. Uh, like a like a monster, sort of. Oh. She's kind of furry. Okay. Um, you're sort of like Beast, maybe. You said that this Captain Britain was a uh, Secret Wars tie-in? No, 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 no. The oh. Alpha Flight's going to tie in with oh, Secret Wars. Oh, 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 oh. Eventually. 
Got it, got it. As will new defenders eventually. But meanwhile, number 146, um, so Angel's blind. Yep. And he is attempting to fly with Cloud, Cloud guiding him, and he's just kind of flying around blind. Uh, Johnny Blaze leaves. Uh, I have no idea why he showed up at all. Uh, maybe I'll find out. Maybe I won't. There's another scene with more doctors who decide, who confirm from last issue that Angel is never getting his eyesight back. I don't know why they keep harping on this. Just remember that. He's never getting his eyesight back. Spoilers. He gets his eyesight back. <laughs> So they go, they, Angel's got cool friends, so they go, uh, they go consult with Doctor Strange, but I guess he's away. So they move into Doctor Strange's house until he gets back. He's not in this issue. And um, the rest of the issue is about a guy named Hotspur who dresses like Adamant in the 80s. Nice. Uh, very piratey. Goes to nightclubs to incite crazy dancing where he uh, uses mind powers apparently and people are unaware that he is actually violently assaulting them with razor sharp blades hidden in his gloves. Hmm. It's pretty weird. Um, he meets the mystery alien lady from the last issue who uh, he is not able to mind control. She almost kills him. And then he organizes a crazy party in Central Park that the defenders show up at. Um he also breathes muspel flame from his mouth. I don't know what eyes. that is. I don't know what it is either. Uh, he chops off Valkyrie's uh, blonde locks <laughs> okay. with his sword, and he makes Beast act like a child. So I guess he's got mind powers. And the mystery lady shows up again, and she's Andromeda, but I don't know who that is. So I guess I guess it's a Marvel character. Nice. It might be her first appearance. I, I I'm not honestly sure. I don't know either. So... So that brings us to the Nightcrawler series. Yay, Nightcrawler, four-part miniseries. Buckle up, everybody, for a wonderful long ride of this. Never mind, it's going to be short. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is four issues uh, that, to me, are completely unnecessary. They are completely unnecessary, but unlike the Iceman limited series and the Beauty and the Beast limited series... I found this enjoyable all the way through, or at least it's still unnecessary. I could have done without reading it, but at least it was consistent. (laughs) Uh, Consistently boring, maybe. I didn't think it was boring. I just didn't think it was. I I take that back. The first two issues I felt were, the first issue I felt was really boring. The second issue I thought was kind of boring. And then the second two issues, since kind of tie into older events, was more marginally entertaining. But you're right. Uh, uh, the the story is consistent. This is a Dave Cockrum joint. He is the writer-artist. Uh, so this is something apparently maybe he's wanted to do or maybe he's looking for a writing project. And they said, do Nightcrawler. Um, but I think he, he always liked Nightcrawler. Right? Sure. I, I mean, he, he created Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's his privilege to be able to do do a Nightcrawler miniseries. I just wish he would have done something else. <laughs> Anything else. Like the, the biggest problem I guess I have with this miniseries where – Iceman had the potential of really being a turning point for the character, and ultimately it turned out not to be anything really. Much like this as well. Like, uh, there's no consequence, and everything ends the way it begins. Um, yes, this is. it's almost as if someone said, do a non-continuity Nightcrawler story. Do whatever you want to do, but nothing can change. <laughs> right. All right. 
And then Beauty and the Beast uh, also could have had some long-lasting, uh, long-lasting changes to both of those characters. But ultimately, once the miniseries ended and those two characters went back to their home comic books, they never really talked about it again. I guess that's not quite the case for Dazzler. Yeah, it seems like Chris Claremont is doing something with Dazzler. Right. Beast, however, I guess we'll next time Beast encounters Dazzler. That's true. We'll be curious to see if either of them ever talk about that. Remember that time we were in love, but not really. <laughs> um, and the other problem, I guess, I kind of have is that this this issue, this whole story, is just way too darn cutesy. I I didn't mind that. That. I actually, that was a plus for me. Really? The reason I guess I don't like that so much is because it is Nightcrawler, and yes, he's blue, he's furry, he's got a tail, he kind of looks like a demon or a a fairy tale character. That doesn't necessarily mean that his story has to be a fairy tale, nor does it mean it has to be kind of a retread of two fairy tales that we've already heard. Well, I think these are just choices of Dave Cockrum. I think Dave Cockrum did that other story so he was basically homaging himself you know what if i really wanted to do my research at the beginning at the back of this epic comic there is a uh interview with dave cockrum about nightcrawler and it starts oh, yeah. off, i didn't even notice that and now for something completely different nightcrawler and it is completely different so maybe there's some background there there's also some uh marvel age coverage on x-men and alpha flight mm-hmm Anyhow, uh, I don't know how much detail you want to give Nightcrawler, but uh, I, hell, I'm not even looking at the comic. I can talk about it. <laughs> they tie it briefly into, remember in Bizarre Adventures when yes. Nightcrawler went to go investigate what was going on with the Vanisher and he went to that other world? Yes. Um, they talk about it, and uh, Kitty says something to the extent of like, well, that's crazy. That's really weird. Tell me as much as you can possibly tell me about it, and I'll configure the computer to create a scenario just like it so that we can see what you're talking about. And apparently and- she creates it so efficiently that she recreates the portal that sucked him in in the first place. Which first sucks in Lockheed and then sucks in Nightcrawler behind. And then disappears. Yep. Um, And yeah, that. uh, so I got through that part and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be dumb. (laughs) And they end up now, and now this is when you get to the kind of swashbuckling adventure story. They're both kind of uh, captured by this floating alien squid guy. They get rescued by some pirates, but the pirates think that that, uh, Nightcrawler is a boggy. And he's like, I don't know what a boggy is. They keep trying to attack him. But ultimately, he convinces them that he is not a boggy. He is Nightcrawler, and he's a pretty good dude. He teaches them all how to play poker. But apparently, is he cheating? I don't know. But he keeps winning everybody's money. <laughs> and that's when there's like a like a pirate attack with another boat, and all men are at the, the hands. And Nightcrawler's like, wait a minute. Why are they attacking these people? What's going on here? And slowly... He decides that he doesn't actually want to be a pirate. He, yeah, slowly discovers that the people that these pirates are attacking are probably innocent. Being a pirate is not necessarily a good thing. Right. Uh, and you got to do bad things to earn a living. So he he switches sides. He teleports over to that ship. Um, they all call him a boggy as well. He's able to fend off the attack. I don't Thank you.
dropped. Why'd you drop my call? I didn't. Oh. You disappeared. You you were no longer talking. Yeah. Um, I was saying that Nightcrawler, um, Nightcrawler somehow thwarted the pirate attack. I don't really remember how. Do you? Uh, yeah, he gets on the pirate ship and he shoots backwards at the pirates. Mm. Uh, and then the rest, I don't quite re- remember. He he is with these other people, somebody called the Jinjav, and they make it to like a port city, and everyone's like, oh my god, it's a boggy. <laughs> you gotta kill it. So he's like, what the hell's a boggy? Uh, he's, got, he's got Lockheed with him, too, by the way. The Jinjav is a princess. And uh, a woman, a damsel in distress, comes up and she's like, you got to help me. Uh, He's going to die if you don't come help me. So she lures Nightcrawler around the corner and the pirates, who he made enemies out of, club him over the head and bring him back aboard uh, a ship. Yes. Well, they they sell him to different ship. That's right. has a shark man on it. <laughs> wow, the reveal in the comic was much more dramatic than your reveal. Has a shark man on it. <laughs> it's so slow. He's like a hooded man. He's in a throne. He stands up slowly. He's got a uh, like a snake type voice, but then he finally takes his cloak off. And yes, he's a shark man. And at this point, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, the first issue was, was rough. I'll, I'll give you that. It, it wasn't until the second issue that I started to um, to enjoy myself. Nummy. The covers. I kind of I kind of like I just was like, OK, it's all going to be like this. So I might as well enjoy it for what it is and not being not not be such like a continuity snob. Or any of this stuff. I it's don't, like I don't care about continuity because this, there's no continuity here. This could have happened, well, right? And that, that's what I mean. It's like feeling like this doesn't matter because it doesn't have any continuity. So I just kind of let all that go. Yeah, but I don't know. From from my perspective, like I really like my mini series or my stories. Not necessarily. They don't have to have something to do with the X-Men or the main story, but there should be a point to the story. Like the character should learn something or grow a little bit or change or not just have... See, that's what you are bringing to miniseries. And I think the key to this story for me was to just let go of all of that. Yeah. All right. And once I was able to do that, I actually enjoyed this story. The cover's nice. It's uh, it's like a Jaws ripoff with uh, the the shark from Jaws swimming oh, yeah, upward. I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, towards a. Uh, this is where it falls off the rails. Nightcrawler swinging from a rope with a girl in his arms, but still, the, the Jaws uh, homage is a nice touch. Yeah, and so he is made a slayer. He's captured by the shark guy. So the shark guy thinks that he is a giant boggy. Boggy. Mm-hmm. And um, he wants to steal the Boggy's teleportation powers. All Boggies can teleport. Yes, and in fact, all the other Boggies who are trapped in Sharkman's castle show up. Um, because I guess you can't teleport inside the the uh, domain of Sharkman's castle. No, the, the the Sharkman cast a spell uh, at least on. Maybe not a spell, but he did something to Nightcrawler so that he can't teleport and presumably but, did the same thing to the Boggies. No, he doesn't even know that the Boggies are in his castle. Oh, okay. All right. They were, according to this, they were experiment. They, they were just exploring and then they found that they couldn't get out. They couldn't teleport out of there. Right. Well, so uh, they, they, they find... He, he doesn't know that they're there. 
Right. So the 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 boggies who are little night crawlers basically, uh, they they decide that the big boggy can probably help them get their their abilities back. So they yeah. they rescue Nightcrawler, uh, they escape, they find Lockheed, uh, they're they're making their escape and one of the ornate snake walls uh it actually turns out to be kind of a giant demon snake and attacks everybody meanwhile shark man is uh sacrificing the jinjav princess um not sure why <laughs> and there's a big four-armed god with swords so i'm i'm sure to appease that god probably to also give him some sort of a helpful help help towards his goal of teleporting Maybe, sure. And so Nightcrawler jumps in with these these snake things chasing him. He rescues the girl. He tackles the shark guy. Uh, The shark guy's like, oh, no, the monsters I created, they're attacking me. The pirates show up because they decided that they were going to get the princess back um, and then... Get and get more money for her because they're pirates. Yeah, and they start shooting uh, his castle in order to do that, which helps Nightcrawler. Um, then the Shark Man attempts to escape on his ship, um, but Nightcrawler. But there's a lot of teleporting in this. Uh, <laughs> That Nightcrawler can't necessarily see where he's teleporting to. Right. And there's also times when Nightcrawler says, I can't teleport to places that I can't see. So it's kind of like just a, I mean, I guess Chris Claremont does the same thing. So Yeah. There's a, a lot of com- comedic uh, sword fighting and buckets falling on heads between Nightcrawler and the shark guy as they fight. They go up to the very top of the blimp aircraft that is the shark man's uh, aircraft. Which is a squid, just like an inflated squid dude. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, And just as shark man is about to do the killing blow on Nightcrawler, Lockheed shows up and breathes his fire towards him, causing him to slip off the edge. Uh, And Nightcrawler thinks he killed himself and feels sort of bad about it. But not for long, because then he rescues the princess and she kisses him. And he is sort of a, he gets welcomed to the princess's city as a hero. He's still dating Amanda Sefton, right? Yes. But, (laughs) you know, I think they have a loose relationship. Open, sure. Yeah. So, you know, if he's being, he doesn't know if he's ever getting back. True. By this point, I think maybe he's been there a week or so, or a couple of days at least. We get a scene of Kitty and Ilana, and Kitty's like, oh, okay, I almost got it. I'm locked on to something. Nightcrawler's walking around, and he's like, all right, I've got a girl. Girl, being welcomed by this village and that's when kitty pushes the button and transports only nightcrawler's costume which answers a long standing question of mine where does nightcrawler's costume begin and where does his skin end and apparently well, there you go <laughs> all of the black red and white is his costume and so when you see nightcrawler and you see just his blue head everything else is costume all right probably should have known that but i just never knew if like you know, he had black legs, black arms. This was all tights. It's got a little uh, tail hole. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, Il- Ileana's like, oh, my God, send it back. He's giving everybody a free show. And the princess is like, oh, your clothes disappeared for uh, a-, a-, a little bit and then reappeared. How did you do that? And can you do it again? And so Kitty locks on to Nightcrawler and is like, all right, let's do it again. And uh, Nightcrawler's like, oh, no. Oh, I wish I could stay, but I got to go. And uh, he is teleported somewhere else, but not home. He is teleported to a place 
where we see a familiar looking cartoonish or chibi uh, nightcrawler who says, Daddy, welcome home. Or you've come home. Yeah, it's a it's a bamf. Yeah. From two of Kitty's fairy tales. Does she have two fairy tales? Well, she told a fairy tale. Well, wait a minute. I guess she had her fairy tale that she told to Ilyana. In I think that's the only one. But then there's the annual where she tells like another fairy tale. Aren't those the same characters? No, well, isn't that Ilyana telling a fairy tale? Um, that features Kitty as well. Oh, yeah. Those that didn't have the same characters? No, the the other one was like space pirates and this one was pirate pirates. <laughs> oh, okay. So same story, just different setting ish. Yeah. Okay. Sort All of. right. So Nightcrawler comes face to face with a bamf, or as he calls him a cabbage patch nightcrawler, and he deduces that, oh my gosh, this looks really familiar to the description of a story I heard Kitty tell Ilyana. Yeah, and in fact he doesn't figure it out until Wolverine shows up later. Right. Um well, we get, he does say something like, oh, these people look really familiar or something like that. Yeah, th- this seems very familiar. Yeah. Uh, Kitty and Ilyana are, meanwhile, still trying to get him back. The caption says, meanwhile, back on Earth in the X-Men's Danger Room, only a few days have passed since the events of last issue. Kitty and Ilyana never changed their clothes. Uh, I didn't even catch that. And how do um, how do the X-Men not know about this? They are away on a mission. For a couple days, yeah. All right. So I'm thinking that there, this wasn't a couple days. This this whole thing takes place on Kitty's side and on his side for a couple hours. Or you remember when they said Nightcrawler's away on a mission? Yeah, but this is the, the mission, and 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 Kitty's like, yeah, guys, Nightcrawler is on a mission. He told me to tell you not to worry. <laughs> we'll be in the danger room. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they're freaked out. They're like, oh my god, we killed Nightcrawler. <laughs> I can't tell anybody. So the Bamf takes Nightcrawler back to a whole village of Bamfs. And, and apparently there are male Bamfs and female Bamfs, but we don't see any female Bamfs yet. Um, the shark guy shows up and kidnaps all of the Bamfs except for Nightcrawler and the first Bamf. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so the shark guy's alive and he knows how to teleport now. Yep. We thought he was dead. Nightcrawler thought he was dead because he was blown. Well, a couple of things. We missed one thing. Uh, Nightcrawler smashed what he thought was the source of the shark man's power, which was, I think, the globe at the end of his staff. Well, it was the source of his power, but he's got a new staff with oh, a new okay. source. And uh, it's, it's the exact same staff. So they set out on an adventure. Uh, the Banff calls for help. And uh, that's when a whirling dervish shows up. And it is Nightcrawler. I mean, it's Wolverine. Well, Wolverine from Kitty's um, fairy tale. Howdy, folks. I'm mean. Yeah. I guess that's his name. He, he's not just mean. His name is actually mean. And so. That's when Nightcrawler says, wait a minute. I've seen this mini movie before. I'm living in Kitty's fairy tale. I suppose you're the fiend with no name, right? And that's when Wolverine says, I just told you my name. I'm mean. And actually, the Bamf was not trying to call Wolverine. Wolverine just happened to be in the neighborhood. He was actually trying to call the spaceship, Kitty's spaceship. Lockheed, which is basically just a giant black version of Lockheed. Right. Lockheed the dragon, not Lockheed the the dragon. Right. (laughs) So Lockheed the dragon meets Lockheed the dragon. And they're like, oh, we got the same name. We look the same. Weird. 
So they uh, they all hop up on Lockheed, and and uh, Nightcrawler's like, "Hey, uh, in the story, there was Kitty and Colossus. Are they around?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, let's go get them." So they do, and they do, and they're on a pirate ship on the sea. I think they were getting ready to make love before they uh, intruded on them. Why do you figure that? I don't know, because they're on a boat. It's all romantic. They're just hanging out, chilling. <laughs> Kitty's wearing like a low cut top. Colossus is all buff. What else would they be doing? Uh, okay. <laughs> so they're like on an adventure. Yeah, we'd love to go on an adventure. So they haul, hop on Lockheed, take off towards the Shark Man's base. Lockheed's like, look, I'm not going to fight a wizard, but I'll take you there. At this point, uh, Lock- uh, Nightcrawler has revealed to everybody that they're, that he is in a story tale version of his life and that he knows all of these people or variations of them and everybody just kind of accepts that. Well, w- somebody says like, uh, well, you assume that we're in a story for your world, but what if you're in a story for our world? Right. And Nightcrawler's like, well, either way, <laughs> this is what's happening. So that's kind of neat. Uh, and as they're flying to the, the wizard's uh, fort, uh, Nightcrawler's attacked by a giant octopus and our heroes go flying into the water. And Lockheed the giant dragon gets pulled under the water and everybody believes that he is dead. So they head out to the wizard's castle. There's some fighting that occurs. Um, there's a uh, there's a funny line from Mean who says, I'm the best at what I do. What I do best is guzzle bi- uh, commit mayhem. <laughs> I, I just like the fact that Dave Cockrum is using the best there is at what he does. It's funny. Yes. Very good parody there. Um, and so they fight. They make it. This is called the Fangs of Doom, I guess, is the place that they're going to. Um, <clears throat> which I wonder, is that a reference to like the Cracks of Doom? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, back at the the mansion, uh, Kitty's like, "Oh, I, I, there's something here. It's kind of like Kurt, but I, I'm getting multiple readings." Uh, Ileana's like, "Just push the button. Let's get him back." And so she does. And instead of transporting Nightcrawler back home, she transports a Bamf. And he's like, "Ooh, hey, girls, come to Bamf's loving arms." And so they teleport it back. And they're like, "Wait a minute, that guy said it was a Bamf. Don't you remember that from your story?" I don't know how it's possible, but Kurt must be somewhere with a lot of bamps, real ones. Yeah. We're, yeah. And so they're like, well, how are we going to do this? And, and Ileana's like, well, let's just transport them all back and then send all the wrong ones back home. And Kitty's like, we can't do that. We're trying to get Kurt, not catch fish. Anyways, back in the fairy tale land, uh, the the wizard guy has put together or somehow made a dark bamf, which is a very large uh, and evil Bamf. So it didn't, it took me the entire series to realize that this is a sort of a parody of Dark Phoenix. Oh, you didn't get that when he said like, you have no hope of overcoming Dark Bamf? Yeah, I, I didn't catch that. Oh. I'm I'm dense. <laughs> I did, and I thought it was stupid. But anyways, uh, yeah, he's it's Dark. It's funny. He's Dark Bamf. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. It's, it's a giant Bamf that is evil. Evil. Yeah. Uh, and so Nightcrawler and all of the fairy tale X-Men are now captured. And uh, that's the end of episode, or issue three. Issue four, you've got the wizard guy. He's gloating about his victory. Kitty, um, Kitty grabs the largest reading of Nightcrawlers and pulls the dark bamf 
into her world. Yeah, Alien is like, oh my god, get rid of it. They they send it back, and and he does introduce himself. He's like, who dares play tricks on Dark Banff? Put room back how it was. And they both look at each other like, Dark Banff? <laughs> what the heck? And so there's a Banff loose who's now the only hope, and he's running around. There's a big uh, kind of uh, orcish or or piggish uh, warthog guard, and he tries to make fun. He's like, your mom smells like bacon. And he's like, yeah, I know. Cool, huh? I feel like this is another parody of Cerebus, but maybe not. It could be. Uh, ultimately, the Banff is able to insult the warthog. The warthog goes chasing after the Banff. The Banff is able to take it out by tripping him. He grabs the keys. And he and uh, Lockheed team up to go back to the jail cell that he opens, and it turns out that it's filled with all the female bamps, and he's like, oh, yeah. Lady Nightcrawlers. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Bamp is in the house. And they do not look like the little bamps. They're they're taller and more attractive. Um, they're, they're sexy. More, they're more feminine, let's say. Yeah, they're sexy little bamps. They're not, they're not cartoony. Right. Well, as cartoony. Right. And so he's like, oh, man. Instead of closing the door and staying in here with them, I'm going to let them all out. So all of the Bamps, and we'll find out soon, the female Bamps, too, are just horny little creatures. Well, they're they're horny for Nightcrawler. They may, they're not horny. They're not horny for regular bands. They, right, true. They may not be. They may. They may not. Well, he, no. The the this guy's like, oh yeah, look at all these ladies. And then later, when all the male bamps come out, they're gonna be like, oh, and all the ladies, they're all mine. But right, but we then, don't. But then, uh, but then. The the ladies are not interested in the Bamps. They're all very standoffish. Right. But then they're very interested in Nightcrawler. Right. Yeah, that- I thought it was cute. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, there's a little funny thing between the shark guy and the dark Bamp where he's like, hey, you disappeared and then reappeared. Where'd you go? I don't know. Well, don't do it again. All right. Dark Bamp only pun in Game of Life. Idiot. It's a funny line. So those are those are cute little lines. And, and, and honestly, uh, issue three and four for me were a lot more entertaining than issues one and two. So at this yeah. point I'm kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm working my way through this and it's not as much of a slog. These were the highlights. The, uh, the little lady bamps, they, uh, they jump into the little prison room. They overrun the shark guy. They find Nightcrawler and they're like, Oh, look at him. He's tall and dark and handsome. How about a kiss? I saw him first. He's get away from me. And they say, Sai, he's so forceful. Right. He can't do anything wrong. Uh, the shark guy's not happy about that. And he's about ready to cast some spells when Windrider, who is Storm's persona, flies in and she starts casting lightning and stuff. And Nightcrawler figures out a way to escape from their bindings at He's like, this thing seems like it's alive, so I wonder if uh, if it's ticklish, basically. And it is. And he tickles it with his tail, and then it sneezes, or hiccups? I don't know. It guffaws. But it lets, it lets all of them, lets all of them go. And uh, Lockheed the giant dragon shows up um, and reveals that he ate the tentacle creature. Yep, and he brought Windrider, or he alerted Windrider of the situation. Thought he'd bring some help. A little bit of fighting goes on, um, and at this point, Kitty and Ileana are like, okay, I've located the whole situation. There's a whole lot of stuff going on, and we can see it. Oh my gosh, look, there's me, there's Storm, there's Nightcrawler. So they bring, essentially, a they 
a portal to kind of so that they, they can see everything that's happening and everything that's happening can see them and they appear as giants. So Kitty tries to get involved by saying, I am the great and powerful wizard of... But the shark guy just says... Keep out of this, fool. He, Shaz. He doesn't even skip a beat. He's like, I don't know what's going up there and I don't care, but knock it off. Yeah. Hey, Kitty, you're falling into it. And that's when Kitty gets sucked in. And now she's in this world. And Lockheed sees her and wraps himself around her neck because he really digs her. And uh, Ileana blindly presses a button hoping to snag somebody. And she ends up getting Kitty back and and Lockheed back, but Nightcrawler is still trapped. Kitty's like, oh my God, maybe we can rescue Kurt the same way. What did you do? And Ileana's like, I don't know. I wasn't looking. She just closed her eyes and pushed a button. So, um, still some more fighting between Wind Rider and Sharkman. Nightcrawler figures out the new source of Sharkman's powers. There's a crystal at the end of his staff, which he destroys, and uh, Sharkman loses his powers. Dark Bamf breaks apart and becomes all of the little Bamfs, right? Yes. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then they go after the women, and they're like, oh, look at all them, and they're all like, and then the women are like, uh-oh, girls, battle stations. Yeah, so apparently they spend most of their time fending off the male bamfs. Yes. And then they all bamf away. Um, the Kitty and Colossus, uh, fairy tale versions, uh, they take away the shark man, and uh, there's this ongoing joke about Nightcrawler not being a boggy. Whatever, it's not very funny. Um <laughs> At which point, Nightcrawler pops into a different world, which now he is faced with Cretaceous Sam, a Western uh, dinosaur who's got pistols. Who is essentially based on Yosemite Sam. Yeah, he's like, all right, I'm going to shoot you. And Nightcrawler just punches him in the face to knock him out. It's like, get me out of this madhouse. And when he says that, he, he does get teleported somewhere else with a pop. And he teleports to an area that is very familiar to him. He's approached first by an Uga beast, which he has seen before. Yeah, we, we saw the Uga beast in Bizarre Adventures 27. Right, so the beginning of the issue started with recreating this area in Bizarre Adventures, and uh, we're going to end here with him being in the place that he was in Bizarre Adventures. So he's like, I know exactly where I need to go. I need to go to the Oracle. So he does, and uh, she's like, yeah, I know what's been happening. You, you're still unstable from your Bizarre Adventures thing, so you shouldn't be monkeying around with portals and whatnot. And uh, the, you, the way you get home is you just think about it. The reason yeah, that which, you, you went to all these places is because you thought about it. Which is, I, I like that, actually. Um, I like that they have a reason for all of this happening. When it first happened in issue one, I was like, ugh. <laughs> but the fact that they actually explain it, even though the exp explanation is fairly cheesy, yeah, the whole a, thing is kind of cheesy, so a, it works. It's a lot better than the explanation that Kitty programmed a portal. Right, right. Yeah, that, Which was dumb. That was dumb. But but the fact that this there was never a portal, she probably did create a portal, but it was Nightcrawler's instability that made it like active or the ability to use it. So with Nightcrawler's newfound knowledge, he thinks of home, he pictures it clearly, and he appears back home. And Kitty hugs him, says, don't ever leave again, and that's where we get the creepiest line ever. Oh, yeah. This is pretty bad. 
uh nightcrawler's like uh we want or Ileana's like i want to hear about what happened uh when the computer grabbed off your costume nightcrawler's like oh you're too young for that sort of thing kitty says says you you should see her playgirl collection now Ileana's what 13 <laughs> i guess yeah. yeah it's a little creepy a little weird but you know so there you go, the Nightcrawler miniseries. And if you were wondering like how you could get your hands on uh, a copy of the Nightcrawler miniseries in uh, a non-digital format, it's it's in the back of Epic Collection The Gift. Yep, show sure enough. Volume number 12. They couldn't attach power pack number 12, but they put these four worthless issues in there. I guarantee there is going to be a power pack Epic Collection. That's fine, but my my... My my thought here is that there are many collections of comics that are duplicated. Some, I, yeah, there you're right. There are, but for some reason, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Yeah. I have Wolverine Epic Collection Volume Number One, and it doesn't have the Wolverine Limited series. But isn't there a Wolverine Limited series trade paperback? I'm going to imagine that the Wolverine Limited series is going to appear in the X Men Epic Collection. Oh, as it, part of you the X Men series. No, oh, but but somewhere there exists a Wolverine trade paperback. Oh, there's probably like fifty of them. Yeah, I mean, there's probably been many versions of them released over the years. So there's probably but, no shortage of that content. But it would—I don't know—it just seems weird to have Wolverine Epic Collection Volume One, and it doesn't have the Wolverine Limited series. That's weird to me. I agree. But see, that's four issues verse, that's been collected numerous times versus one issue that probably has never been printed. In the Wolverine um, Omnibus, it does have – it has Wolverine 1 through 4 and Wolverine and Kitty Pride. What well, then? That makes sense. And Wolverine 1 through 10, the, the series. So yeah. that is all collected together. Well, that's an Omnibus. Omnibuses should have like every stitch of material that connects point A to point B. The- so – Epic Collection Stone, which is why Power Pack number 12 is not in it. Not very epic, if you ask me. <laughs> Perhaps. You can't make an argument for X-Men, but not for Wolverine. I can make any argument I want, Adam. No. You're, you're fired. <laughs> no, damn We're it. in Trump country now. <laughs> nice. You're fired. All right. Well, then there you go, everybody. Uh, that was a lot of issues, but uh, we got through them. We sure did. So, uh, yeah, feel free to drop us a line, www.xmenpodcast.com for all the podcasts uh, and posts and uh, comments and links to all of our other stuff, such as Danger Room at Red Cat Productions, where you can email us, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, Twitter at Danger Room Go, or go out to iTunes, search up Danger Room. will be the only podcast of that name that shows up. You can subscribe, leave a comment, leave some stars. Or you can call us at 501-GET-X-MEN and leave us a little bit of a voicemail and uh, let us know what you think of uh, the uh, the main Uncanny X-Men episode and then all of this other material as a separate episode. Word. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Yeah.